Over the last several weeks, we're going through the Gospel of John, and we're looking at how to follow the Son of God, or why we should follow the Son of God. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Last week, we stopped. Uh, Jesus was spending time at uh, this uh, Samaritan village, met a woman and, uh, at, at a well, and uh, changed her life. Then the villagers came, and and, uh, and, and their lives were changed as they met Jesus. And, and so now we're picking up where we left off. And, and the scripture tells us that after Jesus spent a couple of days there in Sychar, uh, that he went on a journey and he went back uh, to Cana. And uh, let's pick up uh, in verse 46. Uh, the scripture says, so Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he uh, had made the water turn wine, and Baptist has been trying to turn the wine back into water for decades now. The reason I share this is because I just didn't get enough pushback on that one last time I preached on it, so I thought I'd, I'd you know, poke the bear again a little bit. Um, so Jesus came again to Cana, Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when uh, the nobleman heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, your son lives. And then no one inquired of them uh, what hour that his son got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that same hour in which Jesus said, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of, the, out of Judea into Galilee. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Uh, now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda uh, because it has five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water, and whenever uh, and whoever stepped in the pool first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. A certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years, and Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. He said, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. We'll stop there. As we unpack these two stories and then, and then the follow-up story of the religious leaders getting perturbed. By the way, can I, can I tell you, you know you're more like a religious leader uh, if you are more concerned and consumed with the fact that I'm wearing a t-shirt today than you are concerned and consumed with the fact that we had 20 children come to faith in Jesus Christ. Preach! I'm just dropping some truth bomb on you right now. That's a truth bomb. Pow. Uh, That is a broken 
attitude that needs to be healed by Jesus. By the way, that's free. That's free. And some of you want to give it back. Um, Anyway, so uh, here we have uh, Jesus uh, encountering these people. Now, when we read stories like this in Scripture, um, sometimes what we do, even though we believe the Bible, when we read a story like this in Scripture, we treat it more like um, like, uh, the story of Sleeping Beauty. And a sleeping beauty, asleep, you know, in this deep sleep, eternal sleep until uh, love's kiss wakes her up. Along comes Prince Charming, kisses her, and she wakes up. And, and yay, you know, or, or, or some fairy tale or myth. And, and even those of us who say we believe the Bible, we treat this story of Jesus like a fairy tale. But I've got to tell you, this is not a tale that's written by the Brothers Grimm. This is not some Disney fantasy that has come alive on the big screen. This is history. This is reality. This is real Jesus, real God in real time and real space, doing the miraculous, healing those who are sick, making the lame to walk again. This is Jesus who worked back then Uh, in that way, the same Jesus who works today in the same way. And we need to stop playing like we're so sophisticated and stop seeing Jesus who can do miracles, who is the great physician. We need to start looking at this passage, not through the lens of our Americanized a sophisticated, westernized culture, but we need to look at this passage through the lens of mystery and need and desperation, looking to Jesus as the one who can and will bring healing to our lives. And we are in need of healing. We are in need of healing. We have brokenness uh, all in our lives. And we need the great physician to apply his healing hand, not only to our broken bodies, but our broken minds, not only to our broken minds, but to our broken spirits, not only to our broken spirits, but to our broken hearts, not only to our broken hearts, but to our broken life, because that's what Jesus does. When we follow Jesus, Jesus makes us whole. When we follow Jesus, Jesus makes us whole. Everybody, when we follow Jesus, Jesus makes us whole. When we follow Jesus, Jesus makes us whole. That's what he does because of who he is. When we follow Jesus, the Son of God, then we are committing ourselves to him and he is committing himself to us so that we experience his healing touch, his wholesome touch. He he makes us whole. He takes what is broken and shattered and weak in us and he gives it life. He breaks it whole again. As we look at this passage, as we begin with the, the, the encounter of Jesus with the nobleman, We see Jesus makes us whole in a very specific way. You hear the desperation in the nobleman's voice. He comes along and he says, "Uh, I I, I need help. I need help. I can't fix what's wrong with my son. He's on the point of death. He's he's at death's door. He 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 is in trouble. I'm in trouble and I'm helpless and I'm weak and I'm weak and I can't do anything about it. Jesus... Will you help? And Jesus says, yes. The lesson we learn here is when we follow Jesus, Jesus makes us whole. And he 
takes our weakness and he applies God's strength to it. He, he, he takes our weakness and, and, and he says, okay, I see your weakness, but I'm going to saturate that weakness with strength, with God's strength, with divine power. Here we are today as followers of Jesus, and we pretend like we've got it all together, that we don't need anybody. Can I tell you when something happens in my house, um, uh, what, like, what I mean is uh, something breaks, especially like plumbing stuff. It freaks me out. I mean, it, hey man, it freaks me out. And the reason it freaks me out is because I know I don't have the skills to fix it. No matter how many times I YouTube or DIY it or whatever, I don't have the skills to fix something wrong with the plumbing. And I know that a plumbing leak can be very dangerous to the house. And so it creates all this carnage and, 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 and nastiness and brokenness and everything. But, but it, it, I, I have a plumbing problem in my house. It, it plays havoc with my ego because I don't like to admit that I am weak. I don't like to admit that I don't have the answer. I don't like to face a problem that I can't solve. Can anybody identify with that? We come here today and the truth is we are living a life then we are weak in living it. We can't solve this life's dilemma. We need help. And to come in here and pretend like we've got it all together is dishonest and it's not healthy. But rather, as followers of Jesus, we come in and we're like the nobleman. We run to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've got a problem and I can't fix it. Will you help? See, the truth is, there are times when I look at you and I think, if you just give me a chance, I'd fix you. <laughs> and I know for sure that some of y'all <laughs> look at me and say, Eric, if you'll just give me a chance, I'll fix you. But the truth is, you can't fix me and I can't fix you, but Jesus can. See, he saturates our weakness with his strength. But here's the deal. You've got to acknowledge your need before you can experience the strength of the living God pulsing through your weakness. Our problem is we don't spend enough time talking about, in desperation, our need. Do you realize that the most... the I was about to use bad grammar. The healthiest people, the healthiest followers of Christ are the ones who live in desperation, understanding their absolute weakness every day, not just on occasion. Some of us are sitting here and we act like we got it all together. Oh, I got it all together. I'm okay. Those are the people that are unhealthy. I want you to acknowledge, see, see, you've got to understand that we have a need. Unless you are Jesus, the son of God himself, you don't have this life figured out. Stop pretending like you do. I'm telling you, I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess most of the time. I need help. I need to have the desperation in my heart that a loving father has for his son, crying out, my, my son is sick and I can't help him. Oh, Jesus, will you help me in my weakness? And Jesus looks at us and he says, absolutely, go your way. Your son lives. I gotta tell you, 
We, we, we miss the power of God saturating our weakness because we don't acknowledge our weakness. I mean, Paul, Paul, if anybody could have had it together, it was the apostle Paul. And yet he said that there was a plaguing thorn in his flesh, a weakness that he could not conquer and that he couldn't get over. And so he kept asking for God to take away his weakness, but God wouldn't take away his weakness. Instead, God said, I'm going to be strong in the midst of your weakness. Today, you and I, we live in weakness. And it's when we acknowledge that weakness and cry out to Jesus for help that he says, okay, I'm going to meet you at the point of your weakness and I'm going to saturate that weakness with the grace of God that will empower you to live today. I'm going to help you. I'm going to fix you. I love that. Jesus makes us whole because he saturates our weakness with power. Jesus makes us whole because he, he, uh, uh, he, he, he surrounds our brokenness with his compassion. Look, I, I, I don't have time to do a lot on this, but can I just say Jesus loves you? This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong yes jesus loves me yes jesus loves me listen jesus loves you you look at jesus taking the initiative with the with the disabled man at the pool of bethesda he takes the initiative and he goes over to the man he knows this man's been broken and and been sitting for 38 years on the porch of his own paralysis and jesus comes along and he says do you want to be made well I love it. See, the nobleman came to Jesus, and Jesus happily showed compassion to help the nobleman. But, but as Jesus enters Jerusalem, he finds the disabled man. He says, there he is. That's the one I'm here to help. Why? Why would Jesus move and take the initiative with a, a, a paralytic, a, a disabled man sitting on a porch waiting for the water to stir? Because Jesus loved him. Jesus loves you. God sent Jesus on a mission of love that that expresses itself in compassion for people like you and like me. Jesus comes to us and he asks us today, do you want to be made well? Or do you want to just sit on the porch of your paralysis, nursing your brokenness rather than being made whole. See, here's what I think happens. I think that, that Jesus is on a mission of love, and, and that's John three sixteen. by the way. Jesus is on a mission of love sent by God himself to make us whole and to express this compassion to us. And he comes to us as we're sitting on our porch. Now, maybe you're a follower of Jesus, and, 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 and you have found new life in Christ, and you've been changed from the inside out, but you are still sitting on the porch of your paralysis. You've got something broken in your heart. You've got something broken in your mind. You've got something broken with your attitude. You've got something broken in your spirit. You've got something 
something broken in your heart and you've got bitterness or you've got rage or you've got, you've got bad habits and bad behavior. You, 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 you've been living with it for day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You've been sitting on the porch of your paralysis where, where you have been living in that lack of health and you've been, you, you've been demonstrating that lack of health for years and years and years and you've been justifying. Have you, have you justified the, that, that behavior, that attitude, that emotion that is contrary to what God wants? You've been justifying it because of something somebody did to you or said to you, something that you did that you don't think you can ever get over and you've been stuck in this porch of paralysis and Jesus comes along today and he looks into your life and he speaks to you and he says, don't you want to be made well? Some of you say, no, I've, I've dressed up my porch. I've decorated it. I've invited neighbors over and friends over to sit on the porch with me. I don't want to be made well. I'd have to give up too much of my bitterness or my rage or my anger. I'd have to give up my sin. And Jesus asked the paralytic, do you want to be made well? paralytic says hey i've been waiting for somebody to help me down in this pool and jesus says you don't have to go to a pool rise up and walk take up that mat and go running because i'm gonna make you well today i'm gonna surround your brokenness with my compassion i'm gonna make you whole today that's what jesus does I want you to look at verse 14, though. I think it's verse 14. Go down to verse 14. Jesus says, um, um, yes. Uh, Jesus says, see, you've been made well. But go and sin no more. Lest something worse happen to you. You see that? You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't return to the porch of your paralysis. Don't go back to where you were stuck. And some of you have been going back to where you've been stuck like a dog goes back to its vomit over and over and over and over again, repeating the same paralyzing, broken sin in your life. And today, Jesus says, don't you want to be made well? And Jesus is ready to fix what's broken in us because he loves us. The third thing we see in this passage is that uh, Jesus makes us whole because he overwhelms death with life. I, I just love how he uh, gets into this conversation with, uh, with, with, with the religious leaders. By the way, the religious leaders had a broken attitude. They had a broken spirit. They had a broken perspective. They had a broken behavior. You know why? Because they were all concerned about what Jesus was doing on the Sunday rather than being all concerned about how God showed his power by healing a paralytic They were more concerned with the rules that they were following than the Jesus, than God that they were supposed to be honoring. And many of us are here today as followers of Christ in this place, and we are more concerned about following rules than we are about following Jesus, the Son of God. But Jesus begins to talk to them, and and beginning in verse 21, I I want you to hear what he says, verse 21, he says, As the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son doesn't honor the Father who sent him. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. Passed from death into life. Do you realize what that means? It means that that once we hear the word of Jesus, the Son of God, and believe that God sent Jesus to die on a cross for our sin, to be raised from the dead, to give us new life. The minute we entrust our life to Jesus and commit ourselves to be a follower of of Christ, in that moment, in that moment where repentance and faith meet in our soul and in heaven itself, in that moment when we cross that line of faith to become a follower of Christ, immediately we move from death into life. We're no longer bound by the rules of death. We now have a new way of living, a new way of hoping, a new way of trusting. It is new life bound by Jesus Christ in our soul, by the Spirit sealed in our heart so that we might live unleashed in this world in the life that Jesus gives. We're we're immediately taken out of this realm of death, put in this realm of life, and some of you are still trying to go back to the realm of death. Oh, my goodness gracious. You you, you keep trying to go back to the condemnation. You keep trying to go back to the the way of life before you met Jesus. You keep on trying to pick up the chains of slavery to sin that, that have already been shattered. You keep going back. And today, Jesus says, don't you want to be made well? Don't you want to taste life and taste it every day? Don't don't you want to live in the wholeness of life without any missing parts? To get there, you you have to follow Jesus. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I I love what it means to follow Jesus. And I'm going to give you two points that I just want you to take hold of and take home with you. To follow Jesus, the Son of God, means, first of all, but you've got to recognize your need. Look, we can't play this I've got it all together kind of mentality anymore. Stop, stop pretending like you don't need help. You do. Can I tell you, and, and confession is great for the soul, and let me begin right now. I need help because I need to be whole every day. I I have weakness in my life, and I have brokenness in my life, and I have pride in my life. I need help. I need Jesus. I need to be desperate for Jesus to help me. Don't you? I mean, look, you can, again, you can play the game all you want to. But, guys, I've been in this kind of life long enough as a preacher dude and as a follower of Jesus, I've been in it so long. I, look, you're not fooling. You're not really fooling anybody. I really believe the healthiest followers of Christ are the ones that recognize their need and are desperate every day, all the time. I don't, I don't per- personally, and I don't believe God counts it as health. Or maturity to sit in sanctimonious religious spirituality acting like you got it all together and we need to get honest with ourselves and with God 
and even one another. Can I tell you, you know, Jesus told the paralytics, go and sin no more, lest worse things happen to you. I love that. I love that word. Go and sin no more. But that's hard, isn't it? I mean, you, if you have a particular sinful weakness that continues to dominate your heart, do you know it's hard to get rid of that thing? Am I right? Am, am, am I just, is that just me? I mean, it's hard. If you've been carrying a, 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 a bitterness or a rage and, and treating people with disrespect constantly, and you've been doing it for decades, it's hard to stop doing that. You know you need to because that's what it means to follow Jesus, but it's hard to do that, isn't it? I mean, isn't it hard? I mean, there are certain things in my life it's hard to get rid of. But, and so, so when Jesus says to me, if you're going to follow me, you've got to go and sin no more. I, I, want, I want you to get up off the porch of your paralysis, and I want you to rise up and walk, but I don't want you to go and sin anymore. And, and and, and particularly that, that paralyzing sin. So, so what do we do about that? Can I tell you what I've learned? James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. Can I just say, and, and y'all don't hear me talk a lot about this because I, I, I mean, I, I think you've got to do it in a safe place and I don't think there are any, I, I don't think it's about being a spiritual guru. All of us are still searchers. We're not, none of us are spiritual gurus, but I do believe, I can go to Gary Sanders. I know I can go to Gary Sanders. He is a safe brother in Christ and I can go to him and I can confess my sin to him and he will pray for me and that will put me on a path of not returning to my porch of paralysis it will keep me accountable. It will, uh, it will bring healing and wholeness to my life because I know Gary Sanders and he and I are brothers in Christ. Confess your sins to one another. You know, we need to, we need to talk to someone, bring to light the sin. Now, I, I, we don't need a high priest other than Jesus Christ. He's the only one we need. And, and let me tell you something. There's not a human being in this place, no matter how many times I confess them, that can help me fix What's wrong in my soul? Only Jesus can do that. And, and I'm, not an, I'm not the advocate for you in front of Jesus. You don't need me to talk to Jesus on your behalf. What you do need is a brother who will walk with you and say, I understand. And I understand what that porch of paralysis is all about. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray the Spirit of God to give you such strength and power to saturate your soul with Christ's compassion. I'm going to pray for, for Jesus to, 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 to overwhelm that death death existence with life-giving power and grace. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to walk with you and I believe that you will be healed. That's what I can do for you. That's what you can do for me. But we've, we've, we've got to recognize our sin, acknowledge our sin. We've got to acknowledge our need. First to Jesus and, and, and when it is particularly sticky, we, we need to talk to each other about it. Some of you have been, been, instead of talking to one another, talking to safe people uh, who are followers of Christ, confessing your trespasses, well, you know what you've been doing? You, you've been just justifying your behavior. Well, it, it's okay for me to act like this. It's okay for me to say these things. It's okay for me to act this way. It's okay for me to have this attitude. Well, it, not according to God, it's not. So we need to recognize our need, and then we need to honor Jesus with our lives. I, I do want you to pick up this one, and, and, and we're done with this, but uh, it, it, to honor Jesus with our lives, I, I, I want you to see what Jesus says. He says, um, he says in, in um, verse 22, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. This is 522. Um, 
Now 23, so that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Do you know that we're going to follow Jesus means that we've got to honor Jesus. Now, honor is an interesting word. This, the verb here is tamao, and, and, and it, 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 it can mean fear, reverence, respect. And when John uses it in his gospel, it, it carries a deeply theological significance. And, and, and to sum it up, to honor Jesus means that we submit ourselves to him, submit every aspect of our life to him, and we depend on him for everything. We live in absolute submission and dependence to Jesus. We live in submission so that if I'm going to follow Jesus, that means that today if Jesus says, uh, now I want you to leave this room and I want you to go over to Ruby Tuesdays, I want you to go to the manager, I want you to tell the manager that you want to buy a Bible for every person who works here. To honor Jesus, what are you going to do? I, I mean, it's just, it's what you're going to do. Hey, if, if, if Jesus tells you, uh, I want you to go to your neighborhood, to your cul-de-sac, your community, uh, to your ship, to, 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 to your base, where, to your school, I want you to go. And, and when you get there, I want you to go to your neighbors and I want you to invite them to come to a life group, a Bible study that you're going to begin in your home. If you're going to honor Jesus, what are you going to do? Now, you might want to rationalize why you don't have to do that, but if that's what Jesus told you to do, to follow Jesus, what are you going to do? You're going to do what Jesus says. And Jesus tells you that you need to go to that person that you've been holding a grudge against, and you need to beg their forgiveness for holding a grudge against them. What are you going to do? If, 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 if Jesus tells you that, you that you need to stop being a martyr and start living in the victory that Jesus has given you, what are you going to do? If you're going to honor Jesus, you're going to submit to his authority over every aspect of your life, every relationship, every decision at work, every aspect of your home. You're going to give it all to Jesus. You're going to say, I'm just going to follow you. You're going to navigate. I'm going to follow it. And when I follow you, you're going to fix me. You're going to make me whole. Guys, are you following Jesus? I'm not talking about showing up on a Sunday morning. Are you following Jesus? The only way to taste the wholeness that he offers every single day is to honor Jesus with your life and follow him. Would you bow your heads, please? As we gather here today, I just want to encourage you. Um, Jesus is going to speak to you about some aspect of following him. He's going to give you instructions right now on how to respond to what he has revealed in his word. Some of you, some of you need to come here uh, to this altar in brokenness and in weakness, and you need to cry out to Jesus. You just need to come to this altar, and you need to say, Jesus, I need help. I've been trying to fix me. I've been trying to uh, get others to fix me, and Jesus, I need, I, I'm desperate for you. And some of you are here today, and, and you, you see the shattered shards of your own soul. You see the brokenness of your life, and you need that to be made whole. And, and, and you need to taste the, the love of Jesus in your life. And, and so I'm going to ask you to, you come to this altar and you cry out to Jesus, say, Jesus, will you make me whole? Will you love me through this brokenness? 
Some of you are stuck on your porch of paralysis, and, and, and you need to, in this moment, just sit while, while, while we sing songs of prayer. You just need to sit right where you are, and you need to talk to Jesus about your porch of paralysis. And you need to listen to what Jesus has to say to you about it. Some of you are going to need to come and talk to one of the ministers that are here at the front. They, they want to talk with you. They want to pray with you. You're going to sit here. What do you need to do right now to honor Jesus? What do you need to do in this place as a follower of Jesus, the Son of God? What do you need to do to honor Him? This altar is going to be a place for you to come. Maybe you just need to sit and let the Spirit of God speak. Maybe, maybe you need to stand and sing praise. Cry out, give me Jesus. And whatever God wants you to do, this is the time. So, Father, have your way with us. Do your mighty work of grace among us. Pour out your power in this place that we might see your glory and we might be changed by that encounter with you. Now, Father, do your work. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.